Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. So I am back for a week 12 with you, and this week I'm rejoined by um, someone who's on week one, um, the week one review. I'm joined by Fred from the Third and Gold podcast. How are you, mate? Very good, thanks, Andy. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad. I've, um, yeah, obviously since you last came on, of course, the Patriots have been on this amazing run, and <laughs> we had until about a month ago a horrible season, but we seem to have picked up recently. So it's um, for both of us, it's going quite well at the moment. Strongest, uh, strongest division in the conference, isn't it? That AFC East has always, always said it, always yeah. said it. I mean, I, I still think, I still think the AFC North is probably up there, but I think the AFC East has been. I think before the season, everyone thought that was going to be one of the strongest. And then the way the season started, when you mm. guys were two and four, we were what been one and five, one and four at the time. And then mm. the last month or so, I think we've really just we've got some big wins, like on the weekend against the Panthers, against the Ravens, and you've obviously got the win against the Titans and the win against um, the Browns as well. So yeah, I think both teams are getting big wins, and I think it's going to be interesting to see like who actually makes it because that AFC is so wide open. I mean, the NFC you've got the four or five teams you know are going to be there, like the Packers, the, the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Rams, and people like that. But then the AFC, AFC is so much more wide open. I mean, there's legitimately about 10, 15, 10, 10 teams, i say, in the AFC that could generally make the playoffs. There's like no sort of, there's even more even more than that, probably. There's so many teams that can make it, and it's so tight. I think there's like a cutoff point between like the t- Titans, the Patriots, etc. I think there's that, and the Bills. But I think then mm-hmm. after that, it's so, even then, the Bills only... Got the same amount of wins as the Broncos at the moment, or maybe one win more. So yeah, it's just it's really tight. And I think AFC is so wide open, and I think that anyone out of those 10, 12 teams could could generally make the playoffs. I think everyone beat everyone's beating each other as well, which mm. makes it so difficult. Because I mean, <clears throat> using the Patriots as an example, they've won six in a row. And like, if you were to say middle of the season, Patriots have won six in a row. They must be so far out in front of everyone. They must be nailed on to make the playoffs, but they're not nailed on weirdly. And they've got two Bills games, and they know they've got a couple of other tough games as well. Miami obviously improving, like you know, and it's it's weird circumstance where they, you know, just using them as an example. I'm sure you can use other teams as examples in this as well. But no matter how well they've played, how many games they've one you know or even you know I'm um, even though they're playing so well I'm not confident to say oh they're assuring for the playoffs or anything like that there's no one you can look at maybe the Ravens but them aside I'm, uh, there's no one I'd look at and say yeah they're definitely postseason you know at the moment it's strange mm-hmm. isn't it yeah because they look at the Titans they, they they got a great record against playoff teams I think it's like seven <laughs> yeah. or something and then know, and yeah. the, the Jets and the Texans mm-hmm. so um it's just, it's been a crazy season. I think this season's been one of the craziest I can remember in recent years. I mean, I think last year was pretty good considering the circumstances. But I think you've had so mm. many high-scoring games and the AFC is so tight. I mean, yeah, I mean, every week there seems to be a different team you think is going to win the AFC. I think every, one week it's the Titans, one week it's the Bills, one week it's the it's the, um, the Patriots, one week it's the Titans. It just mm. seems to be, you know, a different team every week. So it's... It is just incredible, and I think it's really interesting to see who's going to actually make it. But I do think that you know one thing you need in these things is experience, and no one has more experience than Bill Belichick, and Andy Reid is up there as well. So I think mm-hmm. that might come into the, you know, the Bills have got only been what only one AFC Championship game in the last 20, 30 years, and I think the obviously the other teams around them, the Ravens, have only been to one Super Bowl um, and only been to I don't know how many Championship games they've been to the Ravens under Harbaugh, but. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, with those two coaches, I think it's just that experience may be a big thing come come the crunch time. 
I mean, for but, me, I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, I've, I don't have, I'm not disappointed from a Patriots point of view, but from a consistency point of view, I'm really disappointed in the Bills. I know, I know they've still won lots of games. Don't get me wrong. But for me, this is the year that they should really have kicked on. And when they beat the Chiefs early season, I thought, I know they lost the first game, the Bills, but when they beat the Chiefs early season, I thought, yeah, this is a serious team. This really is. Because for all that talent, they've pretty much kept everything together. They've had some really cold performances. And that, that I just can't get my head around it with that roster. And I don't think the Patriots winning games is helping them either because I don't think they expected the Patriots to win so many games. I don't think the Patriots expected to win so many games. And a combination of that, I think there's a funny place to be that dressing room at the moment, even though they've won a lot of games and they, on paper, still look comfortable. I, I'm not as impressed as I should be for a team that's... Um, yeah, seven and four, I think, aren't they? So, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing is their rush game. I think defensively, they're really good because they've got so many good players on, on defense mm-hmm. that they can rotate. But I think for me, it's when it comes to offense. I think um, <clears> Josh <throat> Allen is still playing well. I think he's, at the moment, he's got um, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 3,071 yards. Um, and I think in terms of receiving, I think Stefan Diggs has taken a bit of a downturn. He's not quite mm-hmm. been as, I don't think he's been quite as good as he, he was He's still got 847 yards, but he doesn't feel quite as dominant as he was last year. But you're looking at the rushing game, the, the best rusher so far for them is um, Devin Singletary with 459 yards. Now, I, I can't see what that is compared to other teams, but I think for me, when Josh Allen's their second best rusher um, by over 100 yards compared to number three in Zach Moss, I think the run game is really, I think that's, that's going to be a downfall. I think that will be something that will affect them. I think, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> every, every every team you see win the, win the Super Bowl, nine times out of ten, they've got a good run game as well as an offense. I don't think you can purely, if you unless you get you know a lucky break one year. I think every if you want to win a Super Bowl, you have to have that rushing game as well as your passing game. Look at the Buccaneers last year; they had obviously all these great weapons in Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, and they all performed well. But then of course, um, playoff Lenny came into them to make <laughs> you know, a great playoff. So. I think, yeah, you, you need a balance all round. I think it's the same on defence. And I think the Bills are worryingly, I think, for all the good work McDermott's done, he hasn't found a good run game, I don't think, since he's since he's been there. Um, mm. I think that needs to be the biggest thing addressed in the offseason. I think they did well this year in a draft to, um, you know, pick up some more players on defence and for the offensive line. But I think, I don't know what, the, I don't watch college football, so I don't know what the running back class is like this year in, in drafts. I don't know whether you know, Fred, but... Um, I think that if they can find a good stud, you know, obviously they're, they're not going to be in the top 10 in draft because they can't pick someone higher. But I think they can definitely find a good running back if there's plenty out there. I think that should be their biggest uh, biggest need biggest need coming up in the draft mm. or even free agency. I don't know, again, I don't know who's available on a contract year, but I do think that that's the way they need to go. Excuse me. No, that makes perfect sense. I think you're absolutely right. And it's a funny one. It's similar to the Chiefs in a way. The Chiefs are lacking multiple running options, um, aren't they really? I think, you know, we saw it with Clyde Edwards there. um, Return, how much better they look offensively, even though, um, you know, if they've got Patrick Mahomes, they've got Kelsey, they've got Hill. Teams could scheme so much better for the Chiefs without their chief running back. Um, and you see similar things. You know how to scheme against the Bills. And, you know, the Bills are good enough. They're going to put and beat most sides regardless. But, you know, you come to those big games, you need you need other options, don't you? Yeah, and I think that with um, the same thing with the Ravens for me, it's because they obviously 
their leading rusher is Lamar Jackson by almost doubled, <laughs> over double their second best rusher in Devonta Freeman. Albeit they had about a million running backs injured in the offseason. But I think that's where the Ravens might be good because, yes, they're not using the running backs. Their running backs aren't doing what they need. But they've still got four touchdowns for Murray, three for Devonta Freeman. And Mar Jackson is that running threat for him. And he just does it so well. Um, I think that they'll be OK. But I think this is why, for me, I thought the Titans were prime for a good run because they had that attacking threat of AJ Brown. They had Julio Jones. They had Tannehill, who's good at those sort of RPOs and stuff like that. And I think the loss of Derrick Henry could be massive for them. Mm. I think, you know, if they if he's back fit for the playoffs, like he, he may or may not be, yeah. um, I do think that that'll be where Titans could be a good thing because their defence mostly has been really good. They showed that against the Rams. And Tannehill's had struggled recent weeks, but he's still a very underrated quarterback, in my opinion. And AJ Brown, when he's fit, he's one of the best in the league. <laughs> and after they yeah. had that, obviously, the option of Derrick Henry, where now he's not there... They have to go for the passing a lot more. And now, whereas before, when they, when they had the threat of Derrick Henry, they, they could use the, they, I think they used quite a lot of the RPO plays and play action, stuff like that. Mm. And I think now that he's not there, I think that's why they struggled in recent weeks. But I think if he's back for the playoffs and actually healthy, I mean, it could be another Todd Gurley situation. But, um, but yeah, I do feel that that's where Titans for me were one of the strongest before the injury to Henry because they had that threat on both both sides, both um, running game and also passing game as well mm. but we are here for week 12 of you uh, we mentioned we mentioned the bills um on thanksgiving night the last of the three games they comfortably beat the new orleans saints 31-6 and then the early game in thanksgiving saw the bears win a narrow 16-14 win over the lions who once again suffer heartbreak this year with a last second field goal from the bears to win the game uh, but the middle game was what I want to talk about with you, Fred. Uh, one of the best games, I think, of the whole year, um, where the, the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Dallas Cowboys 36-33 in overtime. Um, in terms of the stats for this game, um, obviously it was won by a last-second field goal, one overtime field goal from um, Daniel Carlson. And in terms of the, stat, the stats in this game, um, looking at the yardage, Dak Prescott led the way with 375 with two touchdowns, where Derek Carr had 373 with one touchdown and zero picks. Um, and in terms of the rushing game, it was a good day for Josh Jacobs, who led the game with 87 and one touchdown, with the next best rusher, Tony Pollard, with 36. Um, and then it comes to receiving, a lot of good receiving performances here. There was four players with over 100 yards. Uh, this was in the form of Hunter Renfro, who had 134, Michael Gallup, who had 106, Cedric Wilson Jr., who had 104, and then Deshaun Jackson got 102 and got a touchdown as well. Uh, on terms of the defense side of things, um, there was four sacks in this game, which came from Ngokwe, Jordan Lewis, Micah Parsons, who continues to be an impressive rookie performer this year, and Terrell Basham. Uh, in terms of the tackles, the lead tackler was Keanu Neal with 12 combined tackles, and then there was only one forced fumble in this game. That came from Terrell Basham as well. Um, so, yeah, for me in this game, I thought it was an absolutely excellent watch. I think that was by far the best game in Thanksgiving. That was really a good watch. I think both teams can be happy. I think both teams on offense were, were pretty good. I think on defense, both teams did the best they could. So I, I think for me, um, it's the Cowboys, I think they'll be fine. I think they're in an easy division and I think they're still strong enough to beat the team runner. But I think for me, um, the Raiders are so hard to predict. They're so hard to call. I mean, one week they have a great year and then great week at the game even. And then the next week they have a terrible performance. So they're very inconsistent and they've had to deal with a lot of adversity with the John Gruden situation, with 
Henry Rugg, and I keep forgetting um, the other guy's name, the one who got um, cut recently as well. Um, and yeah, it's just been, I think they're, what's it, they're six and six, six and four, six and five at the moment, and it's five. Um, six and five, yeah. So I think, I think they can do it, but I just, I just don't think that the Raiders quite have that consistency yet to to make that push to the playoffs. What are your thoughts on, firstly, how the game went, but also mm. uh, the Raiders' playoff chances? Yeah, I mean, from a game perspective, it's not at all how I expected the game to go. And I'll link that back to actually the question about the Raiders, because I've got a lot of opinions on the Raiders and Derek Carr and so on and so forth. But I mean, from a Cowboys perspective, actually, I'd be very disappointed. Um, and obviously you mentioned they were good on offense, but they're a side at times that have shown they're really quite good on both sides of the ball. The difficulty is actually you come up against the Raiders and the Raiders are quite good in these shootout games. They have a pretty good record, um, you know, in games where teams score over 30 points and then... <laughs> You know, they tend to go and win those games more often than not. Um, so, from a game perspective, I mean, they'll be disappointed with the running game because obviously you've got Zeke, you've got Tony Pollard. Um, you know, so you've got two pretty good... Well, obviously you've got Zeke's a very good running back, but you've also got Tony Pollard, who's a, a really good RB too um, there. And the Raiders schemes really well to stop that. Um, stop that going. I think from a Derek Carr perspective, it was, I know he's only completed on 24 out of 39 passes, but I do think it was one of his, uh, it was a better game than he's had in recent weeks. And I'll link this into my point about the Raiders. So the, they were five and two. They've had a lot of adversity, um, you know, both during that five and two run and then post, you know, now that the point of six and five. Um, for me, Derek Carr's ceiling is really good in terms of when he plays, he hasn't played to the ceiling in this game, don't get me wrong, but when he plays really, really well, he's in the top seven or eight quarterbacks in this league. And previously, his problem and the Raiders' problem has been, the like you mentioned earlier, the inconsistency. Now, in that five and two run, he found a lot of consistency. And I thought he's, you know, finally, we're seeing him in that bracket of top seven or eight QBs. And then... I think the Henry Ruggs thing for me killed that dressing room. I imagine it wasn't in a great place with the Gruden situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously mentioned other things that happened there as well. I think for me, the Henry Ruggs thing absolutely killed it for at least a period of time. Um, because, you know, to lose to the chance, I don't think the chance are really any good. Um they got blown out by the Chiefs. But again, they did, I don't think the Chiefs were actually that brilliant in the 41-14 win. I watched that game. Um, and actually, the Raiders made a ton of mistakes. Um, and the Bengals, again, you know, that should have been a much closer game than it was. The Bengals are a good side, but... Um, the Raiders were just—they were off the boil for those three weeks, understandably so. I can imagine it's a very funny place to be. That said, I was delighted for them, absolutely delighted, because they've beaten a really good side in the Cowboys. They have got a tough run in terms of what's coming up. You know, they've got the Chiefs uh, scrapping the Washington game. They should beat Washington. Um, Browns, who knows what Browns will turn up. I think Baker needs a rest. Um, but then they've got a Broncos side who are actually pretty good. The Colts side are pretty good. And the Chargers side are pretty good. And I think... Had the Henry Ruggs thing not happened, because you forget, obviously, the fractured dressing room aspect, but Henry Ruggs was a really good wide receiver as well and a really good option for Carr. And they've had to re-scheme and, and reinvent the wheel a little bit on their, you know, how they throw the ball and who they're throwing the ball to. Um, they've had a very tough season off the field, and I'd really like to see them make the playoffs. I don't think they're quite going to have enough now, because I think there's still a fair few problems they probably got to work through, but I was really, really pleased to see them beat the Cowboys because um, just from a fan's perspective, those fans have been through the ringer this year. I have a lot of sympathy with the Raiders and I'd like to see Derek Carr back to where he was that first seven weeks of the season and hopefully they can get a few more wins and maybe even sneak in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, I've said before on the podcast that my brother's a big Raiders fan, so it's always I always sort of you know want him to do well for him sometimes. So mm. if they can make the playoffs, I think that'll be that'll be good. I think just to get in there will be a sign of progress, um, yes. especially after the you know, the uncertainty with the head coaching position. I mean, no one knows if the if their current interim coach is going to be there next year or who's going mm. to be in charge next year. So I think it will show some sign of progress, not only for Derek Carr but also just his Raiders team in general. Um, and then we head to the Sunday games. So the first game was um, the Eagles losing 13-7 in New York to the Giants and <laughs> the Miami Dolphins winning once again for the fourth game in a row as they beat the Panthers 33-10, which I thought was quite a, a good win, quite a surprising win. I thought we were going to lose that game. But the next game I want to focus on is one for you, Fred. It is the Ooh. New England Patriots who beat the Tennessee Titans 36-13 as they um, now are, I believe, second in the AFC seeding race. Uh, over over overtaking the Tennessee Titans. Um, in this game, it was a very dom- dominant performance from start to finish. Uh, the, the Patriots were just the Patriots of old. Uh, Mac Jones looked like he's... It's like watching Tom Brady at times with him, to <laughs> his, his composure, especially for a rookie. It's just been excellent. We, we raved about him last week in the pod in the Week 11 review, and it's just like amazing what he's doing. He's got 310 yards in this game, two touchdowns, mm. zero picks. Tannehill had a measly 93 passing yards all game long. Uh, and he had one touchdown, one pick. Uh, in terms of the rushing game, uh, it was um, Taki, Taki Tennessee that led the way in the rushing game. They had mm. Dontre Hill, the Hilliard, had 131 yards and a touchdown, whereas Dontre Foreman had 109 yards, whereas the Patriots' best rusher with Ramon J. Stevenson was 49, 46 even. And then receiving-wise, Jacoby Myers had 98 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but Kendrick Bourne had 61 yards and two touchdowns. But I think it was a defence where it really just, the Patriots are shone. I mean, Kevin Byard and Juwan Bentley had a sack each, same as Matt Judon. Uh, there was um, a 12 tackles from Kevin Byard from the Titans. And uh, there was four fourth fumbles for this game. And they all came from New England Patriots players. So these came from Juwan Bentley, Gavon Dodshaw, the, sorry, Davon Godshaw, Carl Van Noy and JC Jackson, who's having an excellent, excellent year, uh, the de- defensive back. Um Fred, it's obviously you are someone who I imagine watched the whole game on Gay Pass mm-hmm. rather than just Red Zone like me. Um, how impressed were you with his performance to beat someone who was before the Sunday games number one over a seed in the AFC um, and to do it so comfortably, albeit with a Derrick Henry injury? Uh, but how good was it to see after, after last year, of course, a, such a good defensive performance mm. and, and offensively as well, very promising and very just efficient performance from the Patriots offence? Yeah, it was really, really good. I mean, I think the I was a bit worried pre-game because actually, and you know, finally we're entitled to this after the last sort of say finally after the last two years has not been hell at all. You know, <laughs> compared to what some sides have gone through. But you know, in terms of actually, there was a bit of expectation, and I think um, you're looking at the Patriots running. It's quite tough, and they needed to beat the Titans really, bearing in mind who they've got coming up um, to sort of actually maintain this playoff run, and they did it so comfortably. And you know, six weeks ago, if you said oh, you're going in. That Titans game a slight favourites. I'd laugh, you know, I'd laugh at you, but um, realistically, that's the position we were in. But what, what is there's a couple of things that really impressed me, apart from the obvious ones about the Patriots this year. Uh, the first one I'll go to um, the defence gets better week on week. Now, what I've said in previous, probably the previous five or six weeks, and I'm beginning to think actually I need to expand on this a little bit. But what I've been saying is it's a above average defence that makes huge plays at crucial times, which is very true. You look at Matt Judon, what an acquisition Matt Judon's been. Mm, JC Jackson has been excellent, as you'd expect him to be, I guess, really. But he 
just been so good. Um, but at the moment, I mean, the stats, they're climbing up and up and up in these sort of, um, I guess, league tables in terms of, um, you know, stopping the run game, stopping the passing game, all this good stuff. Um, although the run game is very good for the Tysons on Sunday. You know, they're, they're climbing up every metric possible defensively week on week. And actually, because of the consistency now, you're looking at them and saying that you've got to say they're at least a top five defence um, in this year's NFL so far, just because of the sheer consistency. I mean, even if you look at the game against the Bucks, they kept them down to um, under 20 points. You know, they've, it's only really the Saints game. It all capitulated everything else. You know, I know they lost the Miami game. They lost um, um, the Cowboys game as well, but they've all been very close games where you can't, you can't really pin it on the defense and you can't really pin the Saints game on the defense. That's just the game where it all went wrong tactically for the Patriots. It's the only one they've really got badly wrong this year. But the other thing that's really impressed me, and I think this has probably surprised everybody, although I know sort of Rob from our podcast is really big on him, uh, the emergence of Ramondre Stevenson mm. in terms of how good he has been. I know it wasn't his best game on Sunday, don't get me wrong, but you know we all expected Damian Harris to be RB1. When they let Sony Michelle go pre-season to the Rams, I thought to myself, I don't know if I agree with that, because as good as Harris is, uh, you, uh, Michelle's still a, you know, he's a good RB2, and they let him go, and they must have really seen what Ramondre Stevenson um, could become, because he He's been absolutely excellent as a as an RB two and backing up the Patriots when they need something a little bit different. Um, and you know Brandon Bolden as well, Kendrick Bourne. These are guys that you know you expect stuff of Jacoby Myers because he's been there a while now. I know he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns, but he does get a lot of yards. Um, Jono Smith and Hunter Henry, you paid big money for, and that was a really good game from Smith's perspective because he hasn't been as good as what Hunter Henry has um, this year. But it's the unexpected which has been so good. And obviously, Mac Jones goes into the unexpected because for a rookie QB to be doing everything he's doing is amazing. But now he's done that for, you know, 11, 12 weeks. I think we need to look at the the other bits, which are also surprisingly good. And it's like a puzzle that's coming together really easily. Whereas you look at last year and it was just a mess, an absolute mess. Um, and I think you mentioned the Miami game up top there. This is what you get with Cam Newton. And this is the problem. Um, you know, the more he plays, and he's only played this week, two, week three for him this year. But the more he plays, the more he tires. He... <laughs> His arm isn't what it was for very, you know, for non, you know, for physical reasons. And um, this is the issue the Patriots had. You know, by the end of the season, it was you couldn't really throw a ball. Um, and as good as Cam is ability-wise, fully fit, he quite quickly isn't fully fit because he's got tendon injuries, and tendon injuries are long-term things which require management, require rest, rest to be better. Um, so yeah, I, I'm so so pleased, and it's the unexpected bits which are really pleasing me. From a Titans point of view, obviously they missed Derek Henry, yeah, absolutely. But um, the rushing game is really good. Devon, uh, Deontay Foreman was very good. Um, Dontrell Hilliard was good, but again, they, they made errors. A lot of them forced um, by the Patriots' defense. They didn't get that passing game going at all. Um, they were just they just looked a second rate side in comparison to the Patriots that day, which is a joy to say. Um, in fairness, yeah, I think for every every neutral fan, every fan of the NFL who isn't a Patriots fan, I think we can all say we're not really enjoying these last few weeks. <laughs> Patriots back to their best. Um, I think you know, I think <clears throat> I, th- I don't know whether who, who was on Sky Sports was saying that this season had shades of the 2001 uh, Super Bowl win when the thing that mm. was the first in the Brady. So I think. All the signs are there, of course. You know, um, everyone saw the start of the season, everyone thought they'd go into year with Cam Newton, same as Drew Bledsoe. And then obviously, Max come in and 
Um, he's mm. done amazing in the same as Tom Brady. So I think the Patriots, if they keep it going, if Mac Jones keeps playing the way he is, I do think that they've got a very good chance of making it all the way to LA. And how good would that be, by the way? That's the thing, that's the thing every neutral wants, right? So Tom Brady <laughs> makes the Bowl. Who's he play? Who's he play against? His old team. That would be Young amazing. Pretender. That no. is what everyone wants. So, and I, I've always wanted, like, if it's not my team involved, I always wanted to be two teams that ne- ne- never played there before and, mm. and, and never won it. But I think for, for me, I would absolutely love it if it was Belichick against Brady in Super Bowl Fifty Six in LA. That would be incredible. Not only because of the halftime show lineup, but also just generally, it would just be an amazing, amazing game. Well, I'm really happy as well. I'm really pleased with Josh McDaniels. He's got it so right. Um, and what I mean by this, up to the point of the Browns game, I wasn't sure the Patriots had much more than 25 points in them um, per game. And he held Mac back from throwing long balls. I mean, obviously, he did throw long balls during those early games, of course. But in terms of actually going more often for those long balls, um, he held Mac back so much. But it was absolutely the right thing to do because they knew the Browns could come to the Patriots and score points. And they thought, right, we are going to have to put up points here. We are going to have to go for it. And they'd obviously trained so hard and schemed so well and waited to that point to unleash that offense and now they're averaging over 35 points in the last five games and again you know six seven weeks ago I would if someone said again they're going to average 35 points over the next five weeks I wouldn't have backed the idea do you know what I mean it's just mm-hmm. been so impressive how they've done it yeah you, you mentioned Cam Newton he's proved again that he is actually not back but his, um, <laughs> his, his, his teammate Christian McCaffrey has been ruled out for the rest of the season which is a massive, massive blow. This has been announced the last half an hour uh, on sort of Twitter and social media and Google that he has obviously he had a very limited role against the Dolphins and he's um, yeah he's been ruled out the season. So mm. I think personally that is the end of their hopes this season. I mm. think that um, I know when Cam came back they seemed to have a little bit of a resurgence. Cam Luton seemed to be you know refreshing the locker room, but to not have McCaffrey is just incredibly, incredibly um, tough on them. Excuse me again. No, you're fine. I mean, it's an interesting point you make. I mean, not every one of those four, I think it's four INT, INTs, Newton through, not every one of those was great defence by the Miami. Some of it was um, so poor from Newton. But actually, people forget, and I'm, you know, I said this at the beginning of the season, I think Miami have been really poor in general in terms of where they should be as a side because that defence is, very, when fully fit, and this is the issue, they had defensive injuries. For me, anyway, I've Andy, I'm sure you have better views than me on this, but when that defence is fully fit, they're going to keep most teams under 20 points because because they are such a good defense, you know. I think you look at the reason they didn't, the reason they won the Patriots game was because of Xavier and Howard making a huge play on Damian Harris, and that's the sort of thing the Miami defense are capable of. I think the the only issue really for me um, with Miami, and in terms of probably why they don't win games when their defense isn't fully fit, is because offensively. By and large, for me, again, they're another side with a ceiling in terms of the points they score. You know, generally, I think probably around. I know they scored a few more on Sunday, but generally around 25 points is Miami's ceiling offensively for a couple of different reasons. But once that defence is fully fit, they can be absolutely anybody in that division because it is such a good defence. And again, they're another defence capable of really big plays, but you've just been so unfortunate with the injuries um, defensively. It doesn't matter whether, you know, it really didn't matter whether it was two or Brissett at quarterback because, you know, that defence goes from being a really strong defence to a really leaky defence without key number, key members in that lineup. Yeah, apologies again for my apparent sore throat that seems to be affecting me this whole episode. Um, but yeah, it's um, I think for us, I think last year was a big year for us. We we saw so many games where we've made these really important big plays, and that had been missing from our game for a lot of this year. 
again, I think it seems to be ever since that Texans win, it seems to build our, our confidence up. And I think since then we've been making some great plays on defense. I mean that that block punt on the on the weekend just gone. Um, and obviously the Ravens game was was a brilliant mm. performance. Mm. And I think that um, that was probably that and the Panthers Panthers game being our best two performances all year. I think we were amazing against the Panthers. We were dominant pretty much since we went since we scored our second touchdown. Since then we were just. The game was all ours, and I think. I think typically as well, if you're looking at it on paper, you'd worry about struggling against someone like Cam Newton because he's mobile, not because of his arm, obviously, because he's yeah, mobile. Yeah. You'd think, oh, that's probably the worst sort of quarterback for Miami to face. That's what made it really impressive for mm. me. Yeah, and I think the Ravens game, I think, showed us how first of all we can beat a team like that with a mobile quarterback like mm. Lamar Jackson or or Cam Newton or someone like that, or even Jalen Hurts if you play the Eagles at any point in the next uh, few years, but. I think that it's also shown the league how you can beat these teams. Because we had a lot of a lot of defensive backs, sort of um, either. So we do like like to blitz a lot with our defensive backs, and I think that's something we did well against both Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. And I think that I think that's the way forward for a thing. If we're going to win games, we have to sort of go that same thing. Because yes, yeah, sometimes we can't blitz too much because we're going to, you know, we're going to allow these good passes to um to to excel. But I think in terms of when Going up against these mobile quarterbacks, I think that, um, say, for example, if, if we go against Taysom Hill in the Saints game in week 16 or 17, whatever it is, mm. when we play them, I think that's something we've got to be careful of because they're going to use Taysom Hill now and again in these gadget plays. Or even mm-hmm. starting with Simeon, for some reason, gets injured or James Winston still is out. Um, and I think that's something we've got to be careful of because, yeah, I think we need to make sure what we, the game plan we set out against Panthers, against the Ravens, is what we what we do for this for this game against the Saints coming up. Um, I mean, I, I think might have just been just very quickly. Sorry, another point of Miami. I think I might be being a little bit kind here, but I think actually you guys were the first people defensively to show how to play against the Chiefs last year. And you look at, yeah. and I know you only went on really well for a quarter and a uh, you know the first one and a half quarters really, but you guys, I think in that first quarter, intercepted Mahomes twice and sacked him twice because you were the first guys to really attack that O line. Um, the only other way teams really beat I mean I know you didn't beat the Chiefs in that the only way teams were going to try and beat the Chiefs otherwise was a shootout and I think you guys thought our strength is our defence they've got a weak O-line let's go after him and then teams stole that blueprint you look at what the Browns did you look at what Tampa did and I think they probably looked at that first quarter and a half and thought yeah actually that's the way to go at the Chiefs and then mm. as soon as teams did it Chiefs struggled yeah and I think we'll see the exact same thing with the Ravens I think as soon as they get to the playoffs I think they're the strongest team in the AFC right now in terms of as a team. But I think, um, I think personally that teams will look at that game against us and just look at it and go right. This is how we're going to beat the Ravens, and this, I think we'll, we'll we'll do the same thing come the postseason. Um, but yeah, other games that went on in this game, the Atlanta Falcons. Rob was very happy after a 21-14 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars as Trevor Lawrence continues to struggle in a bad team. And the New York Jets beat the Texans in what was one of the worst games on paper in all year long. But it was 21-14 for the Jets. Um, and then the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Indianapolis Colts 38-31. Um, but then the final game of the, the final one of the six o'clock games saw the Cincinnati Bengals shock the Pittsburgh Steelers with a 41-10 win over their AFC North rivals. Now, in this game, it was really poor from the Steelers all game. They, Big Ben had a really horrible day. He threw for 263 yards, but had one touchdown, two interceptions, and was sacked three times, whereas Joe Barrow had 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Rushing-wise, it was Joe Mixon that stole the show once again 
I believe it's his eighth game in a row with a touchdown. He had two in this game and 165 yards with the next best rusher, Najee Harris, was 23. Um, Receiving-wise, T. Higgins was the star of the show in that sense with 114 yards and one touchdown. And Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson had no touchdowns but 95 yards. Um, In terms of defense performance, um, there was three interceptions from Micah Fitzpatrick and Mike Hilton and Eli Apple. Uh, there was also um, one, two, three, four, five sacks in this game, all coming from Cameron Hayward, Chris Warmley, BJ Hill, Trey Hendrickson, who's again excelling in the season, and Sam Hubbard. Um, in terms of the tackles, Joe Schobert led the way with 11 total ones. And then finally, there was one fourth fumble from Trey Hendrickson, who again is been exactly what I thought he'd be after leaving the Saints. Um, so the Bengals, another team that really are, have been quite hard to read because. I remember the start of the year, they had a good start. They were top of the AFC North for a week or two. And then they had a few losses here and there. And yeah, and then Jamar Chase has not been quite himself after the... Yeah, he's not, last month, I don't think he's been quite as explosive as he was in that first few weeks. But Bengals, I think, are really exciting. I think they, they've got it on defence also. They've got it on offence. I've praised them a lot of times on this podcast um, for anyone. But I think, yeah, I think they, they're so hard to read. But they just show for me in this game that they absolutely tore apart what, what, what was seen as a really good defence with, you know, Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to ask you, Fred, mm-hmm. do you think the Bengals firstly could make the playoffs? And if they do make the playoffs, how far do you think they'll go? It's a funny thing with the Bengals, because I think they're probably a year or two away from being a really good side. And I think they've had results which show that. I think you look at the Browns loss. I think you look at the Jets loss. Um, really good size. Don't lose to Jets. The Jets really, do they? Um, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't be realistic about it. I know Titans um, did, and perhaps that might be the anomaly. But then they go and lose to the Browns, and it was a, you know, it's a Browns, which isn't um, isn't fully firing, um, to be honest. Um this is the thing on their day they're very good the Bengals and I'm really impressed and really pleased for Joe Burrow because obviously he had a horrible injury last year and you've always got that question mark of these uh, after these injuries in terms of well how is he going to come back and obviously a lot of people are critical um, of draft actually drafting Jamar Chase over an offensive lineman um, because obviously they thought well Burrow is going to need protection the O line isn't working but actually the O line has worked really well Jamar Chase has been excellent. Um, so I'm really, really pleased that everything seems to be really working out for the Bengals because of you know their efforts and everything they've put into it. Um, could they make the playoffs? They've got a tough run in, you know, but you'd wouldn't say they, you know, you would say they could beat the Chargers, you would say they could beat the Broncos. Ravens would be Ravens probably a step too far. I don't think the Chiefs uh as good as what they were at the moment. That's not to say they won't get back to that. And they, you know, I mean, look at Mahomes' last five weeks. He's not been great. Um, you know, so they, you know, there's probably only one game there you think is going to be very, very tough, and that's probably the Ravens. Um, so they could get to the playoffs. How far they think they go? Well, it's difficult because on their day, I think they could be anyone. Um, but the problem is, I just don't think they've got the consistency needed to go too far in the postseason. I think they've got to try and focus on getting there firstly. But even if they fall just short, I think it is a very good season for them. And I think, you know, next couple of years, you're going to see if they are going to be a very good side. Um, yeah, they are going to be a very good side in the next couple of years. And it's just, I'm really excited to see where these next few weeks go for them. Yeah, it's incredible. You look at sort of both Zach Taylor and also Cliff Kingsbury. Two, both of them are very much seen as these coaches on the hot seat. Two, two, two people that may lose their jobs after this season, but both of them have really just excelled well beyond expectations and really just proved all their critics wrong. And I think that 
you see so many teams that you know, they, they sack a coach after a year or two. And I think that what both of these people are showing that they've they've been given time to to install their own their ideas, their sort of their sort of their their, their way of playing, their schemes and all, and getting all that kind of stuff. And I think that they've got they've got the guys they want and they've got players they need and they just they're showing that this is what happens if you give people time. This is what happens if you are loyal to your head coach. So yeah, really happy for Zach Taylor. He seems like a really nice guy, and also just happy for K- Cliff Kingsby as well. Um, going on to the later games, the nine o'clock games, the Denver Broncos won a AFC West battle against the Los Angeles Chargers by by twenty eight points to thirteen. And then the other game, one of the games also was the Minnesota Vikings lost thirty four twenty six to the Forty Nine ers. In this game, their problems were furthered by an injury to Dalvin Cook, who is today having an MRI scan. Um, in this game itself, um, Kirk Cousins had two touchdowns, one interception, and 238 yards, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo had 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, in terms of rushing game, Elijah Mitchell would be an excellent rookie. Uh, he had 133 yards and one touchdown. And then receiving-wise, uh, it was in this game, it was Brandon Ayo who led the way rather than Debo Samuel. He had 91 yards in this game. And then in terms of the defence, um, the defense performances. Um, there was three sacks from Armand Watts and DJ Wallum of the Vikings, as well as Nick Bosa of the 49ers. Um, Harrison Smith of the Vikings led the way with 11 combined tackles. Um, there was two fumble recoveries and two forced fumbles in this game. Both from um, the recoveries came from Aziz Alshire and Tyler Conklin, and the fumbles, forced fumbles, came from Josh Norman and Kevin Givens. Um, for this game, I thought the 49ers are. Uh, for me, I think both teams are sort of on that edge of are they player teams, are they not? Both teams have sort of been inconsistent, they've sort of not quite found their groove. And both teams, I believe, now on the same record. They're both now oh, Vikings are five and six and 49ers are six and five. So they're both five and five before the game. So very even affair in terms of the game starts. And I think the game proved that. I mean it was very tight. It was um what's that? Eight, nine, seven, eight points between both teams. So it's, it's really is. I, was, I thought it was a really good game, and I think that I don't think either team for me has enough to do something. Even if they make the playoffs, I just don't think either of them have enough um, to go all the way. Do you agree, Fred? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> it's a very fun. It's a very difficult one. Um, because the 49 preseason, uh, apologies, uh, everything went cut out a little bit for me. Uh, but I sort of caught, uh, sorry, I caught the last bit there. I assume we're sort of talking 49ers, Vikings here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to make sure before I run into something. Um, so yeah, with the 49ers, I think um, they have they have got an excellent roster when fully fit offensively. Um, they, for me. That division is obviously, as we know, the NFC West is probably the most competitive division out of everything in the NFL. Um, there's what, four. What is it? What is it though? I, I I thought it was, but then the Seahawks have been tremendous. Have been really disappointing this year, and I think the 49ers mm. have been very inconsistent. I think everyone in the year thought it was going to be a thing where maybe, maybe all four teams could make the playoffs, but I think that it's just been a thing for me. The best has been probably the AFC North. Um, for me, I think that, or maybe the NFC South. Maybe I don't know, but. Um, I, I think NC West, yeah, you've got the Cardinals and Rams who've been doing excellently. But I think that, yeah, I just don't <laughs> think the um, it's not been quite as good as we all thought. Maybe it's because the division's so tough, they're playing each other. Maybe that's why the wins aren't there for every team. But I think the division's been, for me, way un- under what we 
what we thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think that's a fair assessment. But I think you also, you know, you've had an injury to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is key to that Seahawks offense. You had Geno Smith come in. And you, I don't think he uh, had, a, I think he'd had two snaps in three seasons or something, hadn't he? You know, Wilson has not missed a single start. Um, so that was never, unfortunately, you know, apart from the first eight passes he threw when he came in for Wilson when Wilson was injured, um, that was never going to end too well. Um, so I think, you know, it has to be sort of reasonably realistic on that front. 49ers, again, Miss Kittle just, you know, getting injured again and missing other big names as well. Those guys are coming back now. You know, those guys are fit and ready to go. Um, this should be... You know, this should be a San Francisco side, really, that gets 11-12, you know, fully fit season, if you like. Uh, and I know it's a squad game and there's so many arguments against that. Um, but it's a 49 side that should probably win 11-12 games, I think, um, when fully fit. And I know people, you know, 49ers fans and everyone seems to hate Jimmy Garoppolo, but... Shanahan likes to, likes to manage the game. Garoppolo does that pretty well. Um I think he's pretty good fit, unless you're going to go get a really exciting quarterback, which would light up this 49ers side without a shadow of a doubt. These guys don't exist like that often, you know. See, they're not everywhere like you know the 49ers fans and everyone seems to think they are. I think Garoppolo's done an okay job. Well, he's done a pretty good job in general. The 49ers. Let's not forget he's been to a Super Bowl. Um, so I think actually, if they do get to the playoffs, the 49ers, they could go pretty far. Um, the Vikings, on the other hand, this is they're such a funny side because they've got the ability, absolutely. They're another one. On their day, they'll they can beat anyone. They prove that with the Packers. Kirk Cousins, you know, he's I think Kirk Cousins is really, really good and it never gets really bought up, but he's you know, he's thrown three INTs all compared to twenty-two touchdowns or something all year. He's and he the back end of last season, the last half of last year, again, he threw um, one interception for, I think, 20 touchdowns. People forget he's got this really, really high ceiling, Kirk Cousins, and he's got Justin Jefferson, and they've got all these really exciting players, Dalvin Cook as well, offensively. They're just, unfortunately, not very, they're not that great defensively, and they sort of, they, they run a lot of close games, and they've got a lot of potential and a really high ceiling, but they, they never they don't reach it as often as they should. So, I mean, they're not going to get to the playoffs, sadly. But I think, again, they're probably, they've got every chance of beating the Rams, <laughs> I think, because, again, they put in these huge performances against very big sides. Um, but, again, I do agree. With you. I think particularly your assessment of the Vikings is spot on. that They're not going to make the postseason, I don't think. That's not impossible, but I don't think they will. And I don't think they'd get very far if they did, because I think if you get, you know, a good team who can scheme well for them, um, as good as Cousins is and as high as that ceiling can be on certain days, you can shut that down pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the Vikings, I, I think Cousins has been good statistically, and I think... He's having a really good year, but everyone, everyone who knows this podcast and is a regular listener will know my views on Kirk Cousins and also my <laughs> my um, backing of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's been very disrespected mm. in, his, in his time there. I think he, obviously he's, he's not one who's callback. He's not going to you know make these Rogers or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson yeah. sort of plays. But mm. I think for the, for what he's what he's decided to do and sort of the way Shanahan wants to use him, I think that he's doing exactly what he's asked to do. And I think that he, I think we all know now he's not going to be the future by fact that he got all these they they traded up to get Trey Lance and I think that he knows that he's not got a long shelf life at the franchise but I think first of all there's, there's not many people better role models to learn from than Jimmy Garoppolo I think he seems like a very level-headed guy a very mm. calm calm collected person I think that's really important for a youngster to learn from and I think in terms of the actual on the pitch stuff I think 
everyone knows his game plan. We saw that in the playoffs when he got to the Super Bowl, that their plan is to run the ball. And I think they've got a million running backs and some really good ones like Elijah Mitchell. Even Debo Samuel's been playing a lot of snaps recently as, as a running back. And he's been doing really well. So I think everyone knows the game plan. And obviously George Kittle's done really good on blocking. He's one of the best, if not the best, blocking tight end in the NFL right now. And I mm-hmm. think everyone knows their game plan. Mm-hmm. I think that so Jimmy, he's not going to be asked to throw 40, 50 times a game, but I think you probably get 20 or 20 to 20, 21 um, sort of throws in each game. And I think that, you know, now and again, he can be that really good pass. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is massively underrated. And I do think that he is someone that is better than people think he is. But you mentioned the Rams, they could beat the Rams. The Rams have now lost their third game in a row. Mm. They lost 36-28 to the Green Bay Packers in a game that I thought was pretty good. I thought it was really good to watch. I think that, Packers were deserving of the win. I don't think the Rams really. I think they had the you know the Van Jefferson touchdown early on, but I think overall the Packers seemed a lot more efficient. I mean, this game had a lot for me, a lot of fumbles, a lot of just either muff punts or muff kicks. There's a lot of mistakes in this game, but I think for me, I think that this this show for me the experience in the big games in terms of the comparison between Stafford and Rodgers. I mean, Stafford for me is a very good quarterback, but he has, he hasn't got these experiences of big games sort of thing. He's always used to being in these teams where they're the massive underdogs. A win's just a bonus, but I think I think whilst he's having a good year, he has fallen off fallen off massively these last few weeks. I think that I don't know whether I can blame the OBJ trade because it's not down to him why Stack is playing bad, but I do think that you saw with Baker Mayfield the fact that when there's someone who wants the ball like OBJ, sometimes he's making pass that he shouldn't have to try and get OBJ the ball. And I do feel like also losing Robert Woods, Robert Woods is a massive problem for him because I think that Whilst OBJ is a really good backer to have second choice wide receiver, I think that he does he hasn't got time to learn the McVeigh system yet. Whereas Robert Woods has been there for years under McVeigh, he knows the system well. And I think that where whereas when they had Robert Woods when he was playing with Cooper Cup, I think that this is why we saw Cooper Cup get better numbers because when people were double teaming Cooper Cup, they can go to Robert Woods and vice versa. But mm-hmm. I think now with someone new who hasn't been healthy or hasn't been right the last few years in OBJ and who hasn't got time so far to get used to McVeigh's schemes and game plans and the playbook and all, all of those things you get being a wide receiver. And I do think that might affect him long-term. And I think that Van Jefferson's actually playing better. Even though he got a touchdown OBJ in this game, I do think Van Jefferson has been probably playing better this season than OBJ. Um, but I still think the Rams will make it. I, thought, I, think, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be, you know, they'll scrape in. But they, I know they've got a hard run in. They haven't got an easy run in to, to make. So... There's time to worry for the Rams. I think not just now, but even in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, again, Stafford has no experience in the playoffs apart from those two or three losses with the Lions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's a huge problem with the Rams. What do you think? I agree with everything you said about Stafford. That's exactly what I said pre-season. This is exactly what I said during the season. Now, the Rams have been on a bit of a journey here. They beat a, a Bears side that wasn't very good. They beat a Colts side. The Colts are good now. But Wentz went into the game with two sprained ankles. So, you know, no matter how good you are, and I think Wentz is okay. He isn't quite back to the level he was at previously. Um, but he was, you know, you try to do anything with two sprained ankles, it's going to be difficult, let alone facing the Rams. So they beat the Bucks week three. And I thought, okay, that's a big game. You're right to mention the fact that Stafford's lost two, the 22 playoff games he has ever played. And people make it sound like the Lions had no weapons and were no good in those playoff games. To get to the playoffs, they had to be pretty good. And, uh, you know, the, it's, it's not as if Stafford was playing with nine-year-olds against fully grown men or anything like that in those games. In those situations, Stafford 
United have still lost two uh, playoff games. Now, when they beat the Bucks, I thought that's good. That is as close to a playoff game as you're going to get at this point in terms of going to win a big game and a good side. And as hopefully that settled the expectation from Stafford's point of view. But actually, I don't believe it has. They went and lost to the Cards. Now, the Cards are very good. But they went and lost comfortably to the Cards. Um, they had a close game against them, much closer game than they should have against the Lions. But actually, focusing on the big games, lost to the Titans. Titans have just been blown away by the Patriots. They've lost to the Jets. Uh, the Titans have lost to the Jets, obviously, as, as we know, and they've lost to the Texans. So, you know, it's not a Titans side that's unbeatable. Um, the 49ers, again, that was a better 49ers side than has been, you know, for the, the previous seven weeks prior, eight weeks prior to losing that game, granted. But the Rams should be beating the 49ers. The 49ers are six and five, you know, regardless of the reasons the Rams have pretty much had a healthy roster um, there or thereabouts. Um, most of the season, they should have been in a position to beat that 49ers side and they weren't. Um, the Packers, again, the Packers are very, very good. And, Rogers is used to winning games and big teams. And this is the thing with the Packers. I don't know about you. I find Rogers, I find Devontae Adams really unlikable characters because Rogers, particularly more than Devontae Adams, I think Devontae Adams actually kept himself to himself a lot more um, than Rogers. But not just the vaccine thing, you're forgetting that. Rogers is trying to engineer a trade out of a win now situation to go to someone like the Broncos who are probably a nine and eight, 10 and seven side at best in reality, even with Rogers. I, I don't understand it. And he kicks up this fuss every year. He doesn't turn up to camp. He doesn't turn up to training, but he is a top five QB ability wise. He's excellent. He's excellent on the pitch. He plays the media very well post game and everything's hunky dory, but they're so unlikable, but they are so good. The Packers and you can't ignore it, but the Rams need to be winning the. When are they going to turn around and win one of these games after the Bucks game? They've got opportunities to do so. They've got the Cardinals, the Seahawks. It'll be an improved Seahawks side um, by the time they play them. And they've got the Ravens and they've got the 49ers again. They've got four very difficult games there if the 49ers stay fit. Um, they probably need to win two of those at least, not just to get mm. to the playoffs, but also just to show people they can do it because I have massive concerns about postseason Stafford which was slightly abated after week three but those concerns are back yeah I, I do think that the Packers I think they showed I can't think who they played now where they had no Devontae Adams and they had someone else where they won the game come to be I can't think who they played now but I think for me that showed that how good Rodgers is the fact that oh, he, yeah. he can win the game almost by himself I mean he who cares? No matter who's there, I mean everyone. Everyone, obviously everyone goes on about the fact that they picked um, was it Jordan Love over a wide receiver. But I think he's shown in the last year or two that he can still do really well with people like Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, mm-hmm. um, Sam Brown as well, and obviously Devontae Adams. And I think for me, I think this is why the Packers, I think, will probably be, I think, over the Rams in the against the Buccaneers in the, in the championship game. I mm-hmm. do think that the Rams. The sort of the honeymoon period is over and done with. I think that yes, they could have a Buccaneers kind of season like last year where they could have a good run and get get hot in the postseason. But I think right now, as it stands, I I can't see anyone but it being the Buccaneers or the Packers in Super Bowl Fifty Six. I really do think those two teams are I mean, at the moment way above the rest. But as the NFL has shown this year, many years that you can't predict these kind of things. But one thing we are going to predict is tonight's game. Now, <laughs> by by the time this podcast does come out. This game will be over and done with. So it's not. Obviously, we're, we're speaking now on a Monday night. It's currently 7:48 p.m. So it's about four hours to kick off. 
Um, so tonight is the Seattle Seahawks playing the Washington football team. Now, both teams are having great year, both having underwhelming seasons. The Washington are currently four and six, and the Seahawks are currently three and seven. I think it's the worst start to a season in a Russell era, Russell Wilson era. So, what your thoughts so on me going to this game? I think that the Seahawks are in huge trouble. I think they're going to lose again. I think something's not right with the offense. I think Russell Wilson has not been anywhere near himself since come back from injury, and we've not seen much positivity from DK Metcalf or any other wide receivers they have. I think the Washington team, they've won their last two games. They've beaten the Panthers and the Buccaneers, who are two good sides. And they've they got I, I don't get how they're 4 6. Their team is, they've got some really good players there. They've got a defense that, albeit, hasn't been the same as last year, but they've got Antonio Gibson, they've got Terry McLaurin, they've got, I think Heineke's a good uh, sort of, he's not like an elite quarterback, but I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I think he can do a good job <clears> in a good system. So I do think the Washington team can win this game because I think that the Seahawks have been terrible all year long and I it are sort of on offense probably more than defense at times and I think this Washington team even though without the Chase Young injury I think this Washington team Washington team can get to the Seahawks offense and that offensive line I think defensively I think that the Seahawks are easily susceptible to being you know outplayed by you know these big throws from McLaurin or the run of Antonio Gibson so I think personally it's going to be a Washington it's going to be a low scoring game I'm going to go for 17 to 10 to Washington. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Fred? Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I feel really sorry for Washington a bit this year. Because actually, I think they got a couple of things happened at crucial times for them, uh, really, which has sort of created the situation where they're four and six. And really, I think we were hoping for them to be six and four at this point in the season. But they've had, they've had a reasonably tough schedule, to be fair. Uh, it's not been easy at all. I think losing Fitz literally on the eve of the season was no help. Yeah. And I think Heineke's been good. I really do. I think he's done very, very well. But all the scheme, everything would have been, uh, you know, aimed at Fitz. And Fitz is a gunslinger quarterback. And Heineke's not Heineke. Um, it's a completely different style of quarterback. So you've got to remember, that's going to take a few weeks, really, to shift the whole dynamic um, there. And that's no fault of Washington's. That's no fault of Heineke's. Um, and I feel a bit sorry for Fitz as well, because I think he'd have gone there, been a starter, and it would have been really, really entertaining. They've got guys to catch long passes, and they've got a really good run game as well. I think that would have been really good fun to watch. But they, they've had to adapt. And actually, I think, you know, these last two wins are actually the season, bearing in mind Chase Young hasn't been as good. He was excellent last year. He hasn't been as good this year. Now he's injured. Um, I think it's actually been okay for them. I think at this point, bearing in mind everything that's been thrown at them, four and six is not a bad outcome. Um, you know, they've beaten the Bucks and they've beaten the Panthers, as you mentioned, two good sides. Um I'm okay with where Washington are at. If I, if I was told this preseason, I wouldn't be. But actually, you know, the challenges they face, I'm fairly. I think they've done fairly well. Um, it'd be an interesting running for them. Obviously, they've got Seahawks, um, Raiders, Cowboys twice. Probably kills it. Really, I think the Cowboys will be be back to where they need to be. Um, really, but you know, it's an exciting time to be a Washington fan. Certainly, in terms of this game, um, Seahawks. I'd I'd expect the Seahawks to be better than they have been. Um, like you mentioned, it's been the worst start to the season. I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances um, for that. I think Russell Wilson has got a point to prove. I think the Seahawks have got a point to prove. I've got two wide receivers of theirs in my 
fantasy team tonight, so I'm hoping they have a field day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd I'd probably expect. Oh no, I don't probably. I do expect the Seahawks actually to come back and be too be too strong um, for the Washington football team tonight, in spite of the ascending defense of the Washington football team. Um, I'm going to back the Seahawks. I'm going to go um, 24-17. Fantastic stuff. And before we go, um, I'm going to give you your, your chance to give me who is, who be, who be, if you were one of the people doing this, who would you vote for for MVP? God, blimey. It's a tricky one. Because <laughs> until a, couple, a few weeks ago, Brady was leading the charge, wasn't he? Um, that is an excellent question. If anyone's standing on this thing, I'm not actually. I didn't tell Fred I was getting these questions, so I've sort of sprung it on him last minute. I mean, again, Kyler Murray was looking so good, and he's been injured for weeks. Uh, you'd have to think. I think Rogers is a good outside shout. I think realistically, I'll go with Brady. I know he's been a little bit off the ball the last couple of weeks but then the middle of the season Patriots were never quite as good as the beginning or the end of season Patriots and Brady was obviously a massive part of that so you'd expect the Bucks to finish really strongly um, I'm going to go Brady I don't think Josh Allen's quite going to get there for me uh, and Rodgers is a really good outside shout and if Kyler Murray was fit I'd think Kyler Murray if he'd have stayed fit the whole season would have been a very good shout as well but that's an aside what about you Andy? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, mine's been for the last few weeks has been Brady. Um, I def- I think Derek Henry would would have won it if he stayed fit. I think he was. I think thing with Murray. I think both of them would just seem primed to win it. I think Derek Henry was was a great, the best shout in years for a non quarterback to win the award. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Brady's, even though he's not been as good the last week, I think over the course of the season he has been he has been really good. So for me, I say Brady. Um, and then finally, my other question for you is. At the current time, at the current time of podcast, what is your Super Bowl Fifty Six matchup? I think the Bucks are going to get there. Um, yeah, yeah. I really do. I think that I've been pretty clear on that. I think the Packers will push them close, though. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers got there, but I do think the Bucks. AFC is so tricky. Um, I worry for the Ravens in the sense of we've seen the Ravens have, you know, 14 win seasons before and just burn in the playoffs because they only have that one way to play yet. Jackson has improved as a quarterback. His throwing stats are very good this year in comparison to previous years. They're not perfect, but they are better. Um, I almost want to say Patriots just because they're actually the only consistent side in the AFC at the moment. The chiefs have got the highest ceiling. Uh, I'll go Bucks versus Chiefs because that's what I said at the beginning of the season and you've got to assume the Chiefs are going to get it right. I think the Patriots are just a little bit short at the moment. So I'm going to go Bucks chiefs even though the Chiefs I don't think are playing very well at the moment. You've got to assume they're going to find that ceiling again. Well, that's funny. We both have the exact same MVP and both have the exact same matchup. So um, <laughs> great minds think alike. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that has been my episode with um, Fred from the Third and Gold podcast. So do check out their podcast as well. Do check out they do you do weekly reviews and weekly previews. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do um, check that out, and they'll do. I imagine you got one for week thirteen coming up. So yeah, so yeah do, do check it out and check out Fred as well as Rob, who you've seen from the podcast before, and also Dan, who's yet to come on yet. Um, but yeah, that has been our week twelve review with Fred. 
So I've been your host, Andy. This has been Fred, and we'll see you next week.